0: Welcome to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. I am conscious in our first 100 episodes, we didn't cover anyone from hospitality. And that's why we're changing that with our 101st episode. Because hospitality is a massive employer in the UK. It employs almost 3 million people. And so where to start with hospitality? Well, the Great British Pub, of course. And that's why we invited the team from Three Cheers onto the show as they begin to celebrate their 20th anniversary. They also happen to run some of my favourite pubs in South London, such as the Tommyfield, the Avalon, Abbeville, the Latchmere and the Bedford in Balham, which has become one of London's most premier comedy venues. They have had performances from Michael McIntyre, Joe Lyser, Jack Whitehall and even Ed Sheeran. It was great to get them on the show and talk about their 20-year anniversary and how they have particularly focused on handsome pups and also some of the celebrations that they're going to for their 20th year, such as making their own beer, making their own gin and their own English sparkling wine. It's a great story and I cannot wait to share it with you. I'm now joined by two of the co-founders of Three Cheers, Tom and Mark, onto today's show. Guys, welcome to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. It feels very odd sitting on this stage, really, uh, having watched so much comedy here at the Bedford, but it's uh, it's amazing to be here. Why did you rebrand from Renaissance pubs to Three Cheers?
1: I suppose that all sort of came about in sort of 2011, 2012, where we were unfortunately approached by Renaissance Hotels, which was owned by the Marriott uh, Group. Oh, yeah. And we had... We'd basically put six hotel rooms above one of our pubs, the Tommyfield in Kennington, and we got rather a stinky letter from somebody saying that Renaissance pubs was trying to pass off as Renaissance hotels, and unfortunately, was, yeah. as, the small, as the small guy, um, we had a quick chat with, with our lawyers. Um, and we were told to sort of stand down. And so we used this sort of moment to try and rebrand and come up with something that was, you know, new and innovative and something that would sort of take us forward for the next, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years.
0: And and so how did you then go about coming up with Three Cheers? Like, because cause you've been going for a little while then, right? Because it's your 20th anniversary this year.
2: Yeah, we'd been going for... Ten over years, t- over yeah. ten years, yeah. So it was a bit annoying because yeah. people liked Renaissance pubs, but um, the answer is we thought, well, let's do this professionally, yeah. rather than just sit in the pub and talk it over. You know what what would be useful in terms of you know marketing and everything else. And three cheers. So we uh, approached various different branding companies, and Good Agency uh, won the pitch, and they came up with three cheers. Yeah. For lots of reasons, I mean, I, I, I like it's, it's obviously very British. It's kind of celebratory, it's fun and positive, and that's what a pub's all about. There's three and of us, and it was us. done
0: for the king as well. Like, yeah, exactly. we recorded it three days king. after. Yeah,
2: no, but exactly that. So whenever you're, you know, three cheers for Sunday roast, three cheers for summer gardens, three, che- you know, you can use it for anything, and yeah. we just like that. That's the bottom line.
1: And and obviously there are three of us involved, Um, only two of us today, but yeah, yeah. yeah, Tom, Nick and I obviously started the business in 2003 and there was three of us, so that was the other sort of string to that reason.
0: And where did all you guys meet?
1: Um, We actually um, met, I met Tom when I was very young at school, when we were about eight or nine, and then we met Nick a bit later and then we were all at oxford brooks university at various times and sort of hooked up after that and set up our first restaurant
0: and everyone thinks that they know what goes into making a good pub right we've all sort of thought that you know everyone in britain has experienced going into a pub etc but i always think it's a bit like when homer simpson designs his own car it's probably not as straightforward as it looks what do you think goes into making a good pub
2: i think this is the obvious you know it needs to be appealing and welcoming, and you know, good beer on tap, good wine list, good food. So there's those sort of that's the kind of science side of it, if you like, just just making sure you get all that right. A lot of it is just good fortune. I think one thing for a good pub is is a really lovely mix of people. Mm. I love that. You know, it just just everyone. It's it's a community in that sense, and everyone just mixes and. It gives more energy. When I look at some of our pubs that have a wonderful um, group of, of locals, and they're from all different walks of life, and there's something kind of we take for granted a bit about that. But it's a lovely, it's a lovely thing.
1: Yeah, part of the reasons why we sort of left restaurants and went into pubs was that you know it just creates. Uh, A different atmosphere. Restaurants, you very much go there for lunch or go there for dinner whereas when you go to a pub, you go there for Mm. a million different reasons whether it's, you know, you, you go there before lunch or after lunch or for a christening or for someone's wedding or for uh, comedy, or for the theatre or you know all, all these other bits and bobs that go with it.
0: Because it's also yeah. one of the things you talked about on the, on the website that really struck me is you talk about handsome pubs, right? And they are all nine in the brand are quite striking pubs in their own right. Talk us through sort of how you did the first couple and how you got on the journey.
2: We, I mean, one of the lovely things about being small and there's no, it's just me, Nick and Mark and, um, you know, we're able to, move with the times think on our feet you know ultimately it's about you know rather than having a cookie cutter approach like this is what our pubs look like you actually need to look at the building look at the history look at the local area etc and try and sort of breathe new life into it i mean we're just custodians in that's the thing about a pub yeah you know we may own the leases or the freeholds for a while but they will you know they've got history long before we came along and we'll do long after us so it's very much what's appropriate what feels right thinking about who's going to be using it rather than as i say throwing our own ideas from from somewhere else into the mix it's we want it to be new and interesting but at the same time it's got to feel right for yeah. for the place and the people
0: uh, and locations also very important i mean we're here in bedford i remember when we sort of first met you actually talked about if this is literally the other side of the train tracks like 50 yards it probably doesn't do half as well
1: yeah i think we've always said 100 yards is a long way in london um you go under the bridge to the left as you come out the pub and it's not not so good you know we we we, location's always been a, a top priority for us and all all of ours you know we obviously feel comfortable in southwest london and southeast london and that's why you know our estate is generally in these these parts
0: but you are sort of expanding out, sort of, not quite a bit, are you? But it started very much as the southwest London. Uh, yeah, I mean, sort of.
1: we've got a couple in South East and we've obviously got uh, the Princess Victoria over in um, West London. So I think, you know, suburban villages mm-hmm. is sort of what we're looking at. Keen to, you know, take on more sites if we find them. But we are quite picky. We are quite choosy. We don't necessarily go for the first thing that comes up.
0: And that suburban villages point is really interesting because the pandemic obviously has changed the way that we're sort of working and and has led to a real sort of surge in suburban village usage during the week for lunch and so on. Have you guys kind of been aware of that happening over the last few years?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, it's happened since... You know, since COVID, I, I think it, it started. It started obviously happening when we reopened up after COVID. There was a lot more lunchtime trade. I mean, yeah. I think we are seeing it switching a bit back the other way, okay. um, and people are starting to go back into back into town. And uh, you know, the, the, a lot of the big employers are pulling their staff back in certainly on tuesday wednesday thursdays so um the twats are not in clapham particularly on tuesday wednesday thursday but um yeah i mean i think people are working from home a bit more we are seeing a bit more um early uh, early drinks um, yeah. potentially on a thursday friday night people coming in at you know six o'clock rather than maybe 7.38 before. Yeah. So that's all positive for us. I think people, you know, the pandemic's sort of behind us now. So I think that traditional trade of quiet on Monday, Tuesday, building up throughout the week seems to be sort of coming back. Yeah. What's the best thing about running a pub? The best thing about running a pub? <laughs> <laughs> I Free think f- beer? Yeah.
2: <laughs> for me, it was always, I mean, working in this industry was actually your work is where other people have fun or that other other yeah. people relax they have a good time so that's it's that's a lovely a environment a well yeah. it is but it's it's a lovely environment in that sense you know it's that like rather than be somewhere cold and dry it's yeah, it so should, be should, be fun. should be fun and, and yeah, sick in this world of you know all anxiety and concern you know it's it's it should be a fun relaxed happy place you know and i think that's pretty cool
0: and you're doing some pretty cool things around your 20th anniversary as well, right?
1: Yeah, it's been great. It's been good. Um, we come up with a f- sort of few ideas, obviously going very British, obviously it all being around the coronation and, and this year we thought, and obviously the, the British pub, we thought we would go quite British on it. So we've done an English sparkling, um, which we have had made down in East Sussex, um, a vineyard called Henna's. We've had a elderflower gin made and also a uh, a pale ale made by brixton brewery
0: so that how i mean that's quite you know, you sort of become not only kind of running a real estate business etc as well but then you're also kind of creating good, these sort of mini drinks brands off, off the back of it as well <laughs> yeah i mean it's not exactly a
2: brand it, it's no, something okay. fun for the year for the summer slash yeah. autumn and frankly yeah. they're doing the hard work obviously yeah. You know, we're not suddenly taking on a microbrewery and doing it ourselves. Yeah. They are doing it. I mean and it's they're, working. They're with great. working, isn't it's it? It's working with our suppliers. You know, Bricks yeah. and Brewery, they're great guys down there. It's very local. So it, it's it's again, it's all that partnership. It's yeah. it's good fun and it's easy and a nice thing to do. And it's just yeah, doing something memorable as well. I mean there's also other things we're doing in house like uh, we're doing twenty flash sales with all the drinks um will then be on at 2003 prices um we're doing a 20 pound menu um we're doing various cocktails um using our drinks obviously so you know there's there's a whole load of things going on through the summer
0: so what how do your days kind of divide then in terms of or perhaps it's easier to think about it in weeks you know in terms of the hours worked what what actually goes into running a pub
1: I mean, we've we, we obviously been going for 20 years, Tom, Nick and I, so we end up splitting ourselves quite quite well. And Tom tends to spend more time doing um, the PR, the marketing, the refurbs of all the pubs yeah. um, and working with our PR and marketing director and then working with all uh, the builders behind the scenes and all this side of things. Nick does a lot of the financial stuff, so he does a lot of the paperwork and organises that side of things. And then I seem to spend my time sort of chatting with um, the general managers, the uh, uh, the sort of ops team, basically. There's sort of three, three guys that are sort of underneath me before the managers, who have been working with us for ages it's a, it's a lot of chatter, chatting going backwards and forwards but I think you know a bit like a Venn diagram I think Tom Nick and I sort of cover all the areas you know I'll dip into his area Tom will dip into mine and and vice versa so yeah it's, it's pretty constant.
0: Uh, exactly that and recruitment is obviously a big thing as well and it's so often people's first job particularly my sort of generation millennials and so on yeah you're almost at 250 people now that's pretty extraordinary what are the types of skills that you're looking for when hiring people
1: well I don't I mean obviously You know, we don't need vast amounts of experience to get involved in this industry. Um, A lot of people can, you know, start at the bottom and very quickly work their way up if they have the right attitude. They want to get involved. They're not scared of hard work. They want to, you know, smile and be nice and chat to customers. And really, you know, that's what we're looking for because, you know, we, we can train people up and get them to where they need to be. A lot, of, a lot of my managers have been with us for sort of, you know, a, a number of years. Yeah. We were going down to Henners to go and sort out our 20th anniversary sparkling wine. And there were seven managers sitting in the two carriages that we were going down to East Sussex. And we sort of, we were chatting about the 20th anniversary. And it was amazing that we worked out that between those seven managers, that we'd actually had 70 years of service. Yeah with those seven managers so some of them had done 15 and some of them had done five but actually you know that's a that's a long time to be working for one company particularly in yeah. this day and age yes it, it is a long time
0: and um so how do you look to kind of grow the business you know what does the next 20 years look like for three years <laughs> We'll
2: see. I mean, the lovely thing is, again, we're not pressured into growing at a certain rate. It just comes down to opportunities.
0: Because it's all private. It's all just you guys. Yeah, well, there's no
2: private equity miner or anything like that, which is great. I mean, in terms of, you know, it was meant to be a a lifestyle business, if you like. It's something we love. We love pubs. We love every aspect of it. And so we can just move at our own pace. Uh, Obviously, we want to grow. And we're probably looking at the bigger kind of sites rather than the smaller pubs. Um, you know, with the the pressures on the individual pubs and the business as a whole, so it's it's, it's will grow when time is right.
0: And has that love of pubs changed at all? Because that's one of the things you know. You're obviously very different stages of your life now than when you kind of started out. But that love of pubs has that changed? What you love about them?
2: I'd say I'd say almost it's grown. If anything, you know, yeah. it's it's funny. I I think COVID was obviously a big wake up for people and the love for the the pubs that yeah. came out of that when suddenly something's taken away that's when you realize crikey uh what a wonderful thing that is and it's um
1: yeah and there are less and less pubs in the UK um yeah, yeah lots of pubs closing I think you know no we definitely I definitely feel more part of the the pub than when we started uh, and I think it's important that we preserve them as you said we're custodians and we'll look after them for as long as we've got them and then we'll hand on the baton to someone else
0: yeah and one of the things that you do particularly in terms of the expansion growing the pubs in, and growing the footfall and all this is the amount of kind of events and experiences right that whole idea of the pub as a, a hub I mean here at the Bedford in ballaton you um there are events going on almost every single day right you know right from sort of baby groups right through to the sort of comedy evenings i mean it's pretty much south london's most preeminent comedy club now on a friday and saturday night right it's pretty extraordinary how that's kind of developed can you talk to us a bit about how that's changed in the in the 20 years because 20 years ago putting on an event took quite a lot of work and flyering etc now it's much easier to kind of put those things together for people to be able to to come here because that's one of the things I know you stress about some of the comedy and whatever like it's it's not you guys it's just you guys providing space
2: yeah I mean I think that's that's working with people who come along I mean obviously with the Bedford had this history it's the longest running comedy night in the same venue in the country so you know that was already here the music has been it's been known for its live music since the 70s. So in a way, with the Bedford, we were, it, was, it was quite a lot of culling, actually. I remember coming in after we signed the lease and there was a huge blackboard. And you look at all the different things that were going on every day. And it was just crazy. I mean, there was sort of practically, you know, model railway building over here, tango. There was a bit of pole dancing. There was obviously the music. It just went on and on and on. I, I took a photo of it because it was hard to believe. <laughs> and, and salsa and everything. So it was just a bit crazy and it needed to be seduced, reduced down to its sort of cool. best yeah. parts, really. And it's working with good people. And obviously, we're all for it because you need to work hard to get noticed. You yeah. know, that there's so much going on. There, there has been so much innovation within our industry, not just pubs, but restaurants and bars as well. So anything that helps you be seen and anything that adds to your business. And it's generally really good partnerships with these people.
0: Yeah, and you were talking about the, the the Tommy Field in particular. I think of it fondly because that's where I first sort of lived in London. But that was a pub that you know, has changed dramatically. And yeah, you know, back when I lived there, it didn't really have any comedy. But now it's sort of that again has become quite a big comedy night in its own right.
2: It has um, different team. There's ABC Comedy, James Gill, and the fact they won a very high-profile Chortle Award this year. Yeah. Um, it's amazing the names that go through the... Talk. I mean, Kevin Bridges was there last week. You yeah. know, the, the name, the really high-profile names. And it's wonderful. It's just a 80-seat little private room on the first floor, and it's built an amazing reputation. So, you know, again, James approached us uh, maybe 11, 12 years ago. I'm going to get that wrong, but it was it's over a decade ago. And we've just supported him. He appreciates us, we appreciate him, and he's now running almost every night at times. And it's amazing how much comedy there is going on there. So it's great. It spreads the word, and it's, it's something different. And we love comedy, so, yeah. you know, to be supporting that is, is, can only be a good thing. Yeah,
1: and it's been great for us. I mean, yeah. you know, that's been a, a tricky site, being quite central, yeah. um, given COVID and everything that we've been through. And the comedy's really helped you know, keep the keep the business going and serves the accommodation upstairs. So, yeah, it's because it's a yeah, it's a, it's a tough gig there. So, yeah, no, we're we're happy with the comedy. What do you wish you knew
0: now if you could go back and tell yourself something twenty years ago? What would it be?
1: Um, I suppose for me, it's it's you know, I think we were slightly rabbit in headlights when we first opened the Abbeville in two thousand and three on Abbeville Road and. We tried to do everything on a shoestring, which is a good thing in some ways. But, you know, trying to sort of hold on to, you know, secondhand ovens and ice machines and uh, not doing proper refurbs and and not getting the right team in, trying to run it very tight. I probably just give myself a bit more of a break. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, you know, once we got the Abbeville up and running and we realized, you know, it was successful and it was doing well, you know, there was that feeling of relief when you could just sort of relax a little bit. And uh, so I think I'd just probably back myself a bit more, um, maybe be a bit more positive. And then when did you open the second and the third pubs? So the Abville was 2003, the Tommy Field oh five, and then the Stonhouse um, behind Inferno's on Clapham High Street in 2006. And then really we ramped up in 08 when we took on the Bolingbroke and the Avalon. Yeah, And that was, we turned uh, a restaurant um, on the Northcote Road into the Bolingbroke and very much made it feel and look like a pub. And then we did a massive refurb on the Avalon, uh, which used to be called the George in mm. Clapham South. And that was really the sort of game changer really for us as a as a sort of small business. Because taking on those two sites, we sort of, doubled our turnover and maybe a bit more sort of overnight and it just gave us the you know gave us the 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 confidence to sort of crack on and take on more sites after that I mean we didn't take another one on till 2012 I think but um yeah and then 2013 and and now we're up to nine
0: and the Bedford you looked at, you were telling me, and sort of passed on it for the like, <laughs> first time. and then sort of came That out was from
2: yeah. 10 years earlier, was it? I can't remember. Was we were looking
1: at... We, yeah, I mean, I think we were looking at the, the, the Abbeville. So it was 2003 when we were looking at the Bedford. We obviously didn't get the Bedford until 2017. So, yeah, good 14 years later. Yeah. Um, I think I remember sitting actually up there with you... And we were sort of chatting about it. And we were like, oh, they want, you know, 400 grand or something for the lease. And it was a tied lease with Enterprise. And I just remember thinking, this is too much for us. You know, we're out of our depth. You know, it's, it's just too big a project. And obviously, that was in 2003. So, you know, it wasn't until 2016 we thought, well... Maybe it's not too big a project, you know, maybe we can take this one on. So, uh, yeah, 13 years later, we uh, just changed our minds. Um, Because it is
0: a massive um, footprint, right? Because a lot of these pubs, again, you don't necessarily see it from the... You you don't perhaps realise is that, you know, they go up and up, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's t-
2: over twenty-two thousand square feet, so that <laughs> d- may not mean much to a lot of people, but it's big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's what you see when you come in the, the the main bar, um but then it, yeah, saloon bar, this amazing room, and then there's a ballroom, 170 yeah. capacity on the first floor, plus a private dining room and a cocktail bar, and then there's all the you know back of house areas, and then the two floors above that, another 15 bedrooms. So. It's huge. It's, I mean, logistically, in terms of managing, obviously, in terms of the refurbishment, it was very significant. It was very run down. We pretty much remodeled the top two floors to get those bedrooms in. Yeah, there's a lot of it.
0: For those uh, that are just listening, I do encourage you to check out the YouTube channel because it is extraordinary, the room that we're kind of sitting in. It's like a mini Shakespeare's Globe, almost. <laughs> like, it is an amazing place to come and watch comedy and anything. So it does feel slightly surreal sitting, uh, sitting on, on stage uh, here doing it. What's the you know, What other things do you have in the pipeline? You know, how's the pub going to go? Because one of the things that gets talked about quite a bit is that sort of younger generations are drinking less. You know, but actually, presumably, you don't see that as much of a challenge because people come for far more. I think it's it's an
2: interesting thing. Th- on the one hand, you're thinking about innovating and where the trends are going and making sure you're you're evolving with the times. On the other hand, you can't lose sight of the DNA of a pub. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people who are drinking less, but there's also a lot of people who still love to go out to the pub and drink as much as they like yeah. so it's making sure you're appealing to those people you know it may be that it's reducing down a bit but you've just got to be on your game and, and be as good as you can be and have you know do it you know everything that's all all the sort of private events and everything else going on yeah well. exactly
1: and the food food's obviously become a big thing so that's you know a lot yeah. of the food has replaced you know replace some of the drinking so
0: and you change um, your menu five times a year you were saying beforehand i mean that's
1: Yeah, I I mean, it's sort of basically seasonal and then a Christmas menu. So it's sort of four, you know, four seasons plus the Christmas menu in nine sites. So it's 45, nine fives, 45. So it's 45 menu tastings a year. So, yeah, I need to keep my weight off. Um, (laughs) This is not very, not an easy way of doing it. But um, But you you have to change
2: menus for the regulars because you're a pub. Yeah, you know, it's that thing of people who want to, you know, and if it's not changing, they just get bored pretty quick. So that's the simple reason why. I'll put you on the
1: spot now. How many people do you serve a year? That is putting me on the spot. I um, guess I what in I mean, terms of food and drink. Well, yeah, I guess just how many people yeah. do you have coming through the doors? I mean, no, be, I, I can't even. Um, I mean, I, if you think. If you think at the Bedford, we would have um, at least a 1,000 people coming through the door just on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, so the numbers are, are huge, and there'll be a 1,000 on Friday as well. So, you know, we're getting up to, you know, four or 5,000 just a week at the Bedford. So that's 2 million people at the Bedford. Obviously, that's our biggest site, but yeah, yeah. we must be getting on to 8 or 9 million people a year or something that we're serving pretty extraordinary when you think of it like that right
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy it is yeah tell us about some of the stories that you've had with people right because you know you've you've employed a lot as well right if you're serving that many people you know you must have employed over you know several thousand of people during that time as well
1: some of the stories about well we've
0: we've been robbed twice by our own staff managers right.
2: um, you know when somebody's general manager and we, we give them quite a lot of autonomy yeah and there's always a way if if somebody's got a criminal mind there's always a way around any of the safeguards you put in place one of them actually he i think he had some substance abuse issues amongst other issues he was he was a a sort of events manager at the avalon and we it was broken into in in the wee hours on a saturday night and it was only actually two of our other senior staff looked at the cctv footage and recognized the the profile of this chap he had quite an unusual sort of parsnip shaped body yeah and um sure enough it was him but he then fled the country went off to tenerife or something um so you know there are there downsides but
1: yeah i we've, mean we've, we've had, had
2: couples pe- get married you know that there's, there's obviously generally it's a really positive story and, and it's wonderful yeah when I don't know how, how many yeah. babies,
1: babies, lots of have babies come through. Yeah.
2: Couples have met working yeah. in our business, so it, it's great. I mean, it's
0: meant to be a family. That's you know that's the
2: way we try and look at it. Well,
0: what are the what are the team sort of offsites like? That must be a bit of pressure. Presumably you do them in January, right? That's the sort of standard.
1: Um, part, so. Yeah, we t- well we we used to do staff parties in January because it was the sort of quietest month of the year, and we used to do them on a Monday evening. And they, they've been entertaining. And uh, when you get sort of 200 people um, in a venue and it's your staff and you've given them one night off in the whole yeah. year, there are some pretty crazy stories that have happened then. We've actually moved it to a summer party now because okay. we think it's a slightly easier to find a good venue, um, to find a good space. So we do it on a Monday night. Uh, but yeah, we've, we've, had, we've done lots of things. I mean, obviously, general managers, we've been on wine trips, yeah. Uh, we're off to Rhone um, in June. Tom's coming to uh, Rhone, cool. so we're going to have, a, I think there's 10 or 12 of us going to Rhone to go and have a couple of nights there.
0: What are you doing there in Rhone?
1: Um, just tasting various Cote de Rhone's and Crows Hermitage and various different wines um, with our wine supplier. I think we're staying actually in the vineyard. There's some accommodation in the vineyard, so that's quite a nice thing for the staff. So hopefully the weather, the sun will shine. And uh, yeah, it should be a nice trip for the staff um, and for and for ourselves. But yeah, we've done we've done other, lots of other things. We obviously went down to Henners with our English sparkling. We've been up to Timothy Taylor's, and we've been to Western Cider, and we've been down to Brixton Brewery, and yeah, we tend to sort of try and, and that, that's one. I mean, of it's the a pretty
0: great job, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> sort of like yeah, you've got
1: to enjoy
2: that side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, again, it's just sounding laboring the point it should be fun you yeah know? um i mean obviously it's, it's bloody hard work and it's quite a young mix i mean obviously our managers yeah. have been around f- for 10 20 years i mean obviously we, we're sort of growing growing older together but you know it's quite a young crowd the people who want to work in this industry have a sort of hopefully as you know really positive attitude. there's a bit of charisma bouncing around so yeah that's kind of how we've always run it you know whether staff parties we kind of leave from the front yeah you know and if and if we're positive and enjoying ourselves and you know trying to engender that within the company that's can only be mm. a good thing
0: what stories have you got from the staff parties <laughs> from ones?
2: well it's repeatable stories yeah yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah. <laughs> i mean i think there's uh what,
1: what can we repeat i think you're allowed to repeat that aren't you well, <laughs> <You're> oh, oh, <laughs> me finding you, me finding you, you finding me in the in the Abbeville all those years ago.
2: Yeah, in, in a state of undress, shall we say. <laughs> and I had sort of gone to sleep in the office in the cellar and he came to find and found me looking for a phone,
1: <laughs> it was yes. practically
2: before mobile phones, because he'd woken up with all the lights on at four in the morning, uh, yeah. the front door wide open, all the other staff had, you know, dribbled away. And it had been left to us to kind of hold the fort, so to speak, but we'd both... Uh, slightly worse for wear so um, yeah you know it's kind of un-PC but you know again you, you have to watch downsides of booze but we have a lot of fun you know yeah. it's, it's lovely to have a drink and a laugh and um, uh, I'm trying to think yeah stories the, the police have been called once or twice <laughs> you know that's been as we've gotten bigger
0: you know it just it's shenanigans um, but yeah it's and, and what other changes have you seen over the 20 years I mean you know has mobile's changed it in terms of people yeah i know some restaurants find it frustrating about how long people are now like taking time to order food and for example but
1: i don't i mean i, I don't think it's, 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 changed. Sort
0: of, it's quite undisruptible really a pub right
1: well i think that's what's so great about it you know you still just hold on to those traditional people that want to come to the pub and so you know i look at the abbeville and okay we were selling smirnoff ice and you know john yeah. smith's extra smooth in 2003 and now we're selling you know gin and tonics and uh, aperol yeah. spritz and maybe a craft lager but actually the fundamentals of the you know in terms of the customer and the the, the barman and the manager and, and the experience that the customer gets when they come to the pub, it sort of hasn't changed a huge amount. And it's still, and that's what's sort of rather wonderful about it, because everything else has changed so much. And, you know, with the internet and mobile phones and all these things. And I think that's sort of one of the reasons why we, we still love the pub, really.
0: There's quite a few people that are in government that listen to this show etc yeah i always talked about pubs during my time in government being you know sort of one of those things that is universally popular and, and announcing policies that benefit the pub will never go down badly at a budget it has there been an extraordinary few years for pubs and hospitality more broadly what if well, people are listening from the government what would you like to sort of say to them
1: I suppose the, the whole business rate thing, I think if they want the high street to survive, they need to look at how business rates are charged to the pub businesses. I think there have been some nice amounts that have come off business rates on the back of COVID and things to help us get back on our feet. So that's all welcome. But obviously, if it comes back at the same where we were before i think people are going to really struggle and the high street's obviously incredibly important i mean the other thing um i suppose is the vat on the food that if you go to a supermarket and buy a sandwich there's no vat on it whereas if you come to the pub and buy a Sandwich, there is VAT on it, yeah. which obviously is a quite a difficult. That's a competitive advantage for the supermarket, and it's just quite difficult for us to compete with the supermarket on that sort of, you know, quick lunch. Yeah. Um, because we always end up being expensive, and I think you know Monday to Friday lunch times, you know, it'd be nice if we could have a bit of help there because the supermarkets obviously have you know are fine. Um, I mean, those well, are the two it big v- things v- me. VAT off during the week or something like that. Well, I suppose so. I mean, I think that would probably be quite difficult to manage. Yeah. And I'm not sure, you know. So I don't think. I mean, VAT on drink that's fine, but I think VAT on food would be would be nice. Um, having said that, there's a lot of wet lead pubs all over the country that are paying 20% VAT. So I'm not sure that they would be particularly happy yeah. me saying that. So whether it needs to be balanced. Whether whether we but there should they
0: can't be there there aren't I mean wet lead pubs are pretty I mean that is just that is just ones that serve alcohol no food right just yeah our listeners yeah yeah like you say a big part of your growth over the last twenty years has come from food right.
1: Yeah, I think it's come from food and come from entertainment as well. You know, whether it's the comedy or the theatre or whether it's a quiz night or whether it's a, a wine tasting evening or whether it's come from accommodation because we've 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 you know looked at areas within the business where we can put hotel rooms. Um, so I think those are the those are the areas that it has come from really. Yeah, um,
2: I think sorry the other thing is working visas. Yeah, I'm not actually sure quite where we're up to, but. I, I don't know really, you know, if, if the politicians are so aware of what a massive, massive problem it is right the way across our industry. I mean, people can't get the staff. Yeah. You, know, I can, you can just see standards falling and that just impacts the business, yeah. uh, impacts the industry, you know, and I think we've just got to enable people to come. London still has a huge profile amongst the kind of people we want to come but it's it is relatively unskilled of course it is but you know so long as it's controlled we've just got to get more working visas out there yeah and just try and alleviate our staffing problems
0: and that is that is something that i heard um plenty during my time in in government and so what other predictions do you have kind of for the for the hospitality and the pub industry. I mean, just thinking actually one of the sort of recurring themes that's come up that we had as well in our Scotch whisky episode was that people were saying that whilst people might be drinking less, they're probably going to drink a higher quality. And actually that partly goes to your story about Smirnoff Ice and so on and Aperol Spritzes now. Now, that the area around the Abbeville might have changed a bit as well, to be fair, in that 20 years. (laughs) But uh, it it just is sort of, you know, it, it is quite an interesting observation that people are becoming more discerning about that they want the stories and the connections which is why your 20th anniversary celebrations around elderflower gin and english sparkling wine i mean imagine sort of you being told that 20 years ago when you were starting out that would be something you would do right pretty extraordinary
1: yeah, it has changed a bit, hasn't it? I mean, I think, you know, 20 years on, who would have thought we could be growing such delicious, you know, making such delicious wine? I mean, it, it, it's incredible what we're doing in Sussex. It really is. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that, and that's all obviously only going to go in one direction. I think we'll just have more and more local and more and more English, which is great.
2: I think a lot of it's it's survival of the fittest, yeah. you know, and there's serious evolutionary pressure on our industry and you know the, the really fantastic pubs really well run will survive well but invested it's well invested and there's a lot of people who are doing a decent job but they it just it's not the right location or it doesn't have the right offer or you know and and it's it's going to be pretty brutal I think but yeah change is constant right and um, yeah you've just got to be trying to you know work on your strengths and mitigating the weaknesses of any particular pub
1: i think uh, that's why we're looking for bigger sites you know the small the smaller pubs will struggle um to keep going unless they are unless they're sort of owner managed and uh, any of the small groups will will have to be looking for bigger pubs in order to have that have that turnover which allows them to run their businesses i appreciate it's a bit like asking what your
0: favorite child is but what's your dream pub what's your favorite pub that's not one of your own
2: it's funny, we get asked that occasion. I've often said the St. Q Inn, in St. Q in Cornwall. Yeah. Which is just a very historic pub in a, in a very beautiful location. You know, well run, uh, good crowd of, of regulars. And it just, the beer is great, the food is great. But it's people and place, you know, is the thing that I really get from a pub like that. You know, it's all the people who frequent it and work there. And it's the location, and it just it just creates a very magical, unique place to be.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's local pubs, isn't it? And I suppose when I'm not in my own, I want to find somewhere that's very relaxed and very welcoming. And you know, I'd probably go for um, a pub called the George, which is down in Burnham Dean, mm. uh, down in Wiltshire, just because it's just a lovely, lovely pub. Its its owner owner run managed a guy called reese who used to be the brewer at sandbrooks brewery which is obviously in, in in wandsworth and you just always get a nice smile there's always a roaring fire on in the winter he serves a very good pint excellent let's go through sort of basically what your favorite
0: kind of last meal would almost be what would be your f- first pint your favorite pint
1: well i'd probably go for timothy taylor's just because i think it's a a very good beer uh, we've been up with the managers up to Yorkshire a couple of times. It's my wife's godfather's brewery, and so we have stocked it since 2003 when we opened the Abbeville. And I remember Madonna was in the Dog and Duck. She had half a pint of Timothy Taylor's in the Dog and Duck up in, in up in Soho, and she was she was recorded on the news saying that her favourite beer was Timothy Taylor's. And literally, the sales just went through the roof. I mean, we were just selling out of it for weeks. The dog, isn't that where William and Kate went? That's where William and Kate were on, on, the, yeah, on the weekend.
0: <laughs> Famous dog and duck. And what would be your favourite meal?
1: I suppose, I mean, I'll probably go very sort of uh, traditional uh, pub um, and probably go for a, a classic scotch egg. Yeah. And then follow that with uh, fish and chips.
0: Yeah, I remember the debate during COVID whether Scotch egg clusters it, that's yeah, a meat, is it meat or not? Ridiculous. Yeah, uh, well. I'd, I'd probably
2: go pork belly. Yeah, it's one of those things I find irresistible, and it's become a great pub staple. Yeah, like pork belly with salsa verde or whatever it is. Lots of different ways of doing it. Um, yeah, it hits the spot.
1: Uh, favorite nightcap? I mean, you're more of a tequila man, aren't you? But that's I
2: am. So really, really good tequila or rum. You know, yeah, I'm less of a whiskey and sort of cognac man. Yeah, yeah.
1: I probably just go for a large Jamesons on the rocks. I like the way you emphasise large. And what's, who's been your most um, uh, famous customer? Um, We've had
0: a few, but
2: I think prob- certainly the most high-profile famous is was here. Ed Sheeran recorded his his first EP before we were involved in this, in yeah. this pub. But he, uh, one of our managers, was friends with his manager, and he. He came, he came he in. He had a gig. private evening here with his friends. Yeah, a few years ago, so he would certainly be number one another, on the fame scale. I'm sure.
0: Another good redhead. And well, what kind of gigs have you hosted here then? I mean, there must have been some some big ones, what, right? Music or just across the board? Well, yeah, music, I guess. But yeah, music across primarily.
1: The probably our biggest guy that we've had here was Simon Le Bon. He played here. Uh, back end of last year I think it was mm. Well,
2: wow. no there's there's, um, there's an awful lot of Katie Tunstall there's a huge roster of kind of British emerging British talent have come through here that's for sure
0: well I think that's a terrific way to finish so thanks so much for coming on and sharing the story of three cheers over the last 20 years you know it reflects the way that South West London has changed so much and it's great to see you guys expanding and we look forward to seeing what the future holds thank thanks, you very much thanks Jimmy thanks for listening to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future We've come a long way since our first episode, when I started recording this on my own in my daughter's nap times. We are now a team that not only pulls together a podcast, but also creates content on multiple channels, whether that is our Substack, looking at the latest trends in business, entrepreneurship, and the future of work, or some of our more lighthearted takes on TikTok. And of course, our best moments are on YouTube. To find all our socials and best content links, click on the links in the show notes below.